This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest preview show. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Welcome one and all to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host Terence Ford and this week we look ahead to Sunday lunchtime's trip to the Hawthorns where Roy Hodgson takes on his former club West Brom. With the main question being, will the result determine whether the former England manager and holder of the keys to Croydon keeps his job in SE25? Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. PitchDMM.com Yes, welcome everyone. Welcome. It's... um... Somber, somber mood this week uh, just pre-show we've been chatting about what's, what's good that's been happening this week with Palace but not coming up with many answers um, to try and help us come up with something that we can talk about that might be have some joy is Sam Heskiff oh my god yeah <laughs> I'll give it a go that, that's how desperate we are yeah well um, like I told you mate I'm on the wine so anything goes uh, and um, Albert Curley is in tow with what appears to be an organ of some kind. Massive organ. <laughs> Hello. We all. We all. Um, do you want to give us a little blast of how you just learned to play um, the, the song of last week? No, you've put the pressure on now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's bottling it. If you hadn't have asked, I'd have just done it, but you've asked now, so that's it. It's gone. Right, okay then, right, maybe may, may in a little bit, but first, let's do this. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! Now, I was drinking a beer on, well, just last night when I was watching the TV. Been watching Designated Survivor on Netflix. Anyone who used to watch 24 back in the day, it's basically that rehashed um, in the White House. It's It's awful, but great viewing at the same time. Um, and I was drinking a, a porter, Albert, that you seem to take offence to on Twitter. Um, well, remind me what it was called. <laughs> it was it was from, from Tiny Rebel, and it, it was a nine percent porter, and um, it's called Imperial Waffle and Candied Bacon Marshmallow Porter. <sighs> Did it taste of any of those things? It did taste of all those things, actually. Well, Very, a bit with bits of caramel and a sweetie cut through. It was lovely. Has anybody done one called the Gale Porter? <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice shiny uh, head when you pour it into a glass. Oh, yeah. But I did get I did get a response on Twitter from someone whose surname was Porter, saying that they don't like porters. So. Um, take of what that you will but this week i've still got i've got another beer by tiny rebel it's it's called shakedown so not too bad a name this week no. it's a mango mango vermont albert right on the on the eye it's tuscan sunset on the nose all the mangoes and taste 99.99 percent mango <sighs> what are they on about so, 
<laughs> what you got? Estrella. It says survey for Mediterranean on it. There you go. Um, that was a bit, um, wasn't Estrella in that failed attempt at uh, the Gente Guaita song, uh, Eskif? Yeah, I think it was. How did, how, how did they go again? Uh, uh, his hands are fucking massive was the end. I that, yeah, that was the end. Um, something. I don't, I don't know it on the piano before you ask. <laughs> I've got to say, this beer is a bit of a letdown. Oh, Tastes like bubble bath. Oh, not, great. not a shakedown, but a letdown. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it tastes like bubble bath. I'm not not a fan of that. Oh, right. Um, there, go, there goes your product placement deal that you've been <laughs> pushing for. Yeah. If anyone yeah, t- wants to provide bottles of uh, piss, n- not particularly expensive Cote de Rhone wine, then it's absolutely delicious and I'll accept it gladly. I mean, I'd, I'd tell you, this is genuinely dreadful. I think it's the first time I've ever said that on here, isn't it? What is it? What is it rated on your uh, whatever that app's called? That website? Oh, that's a that's a good point. I have I, I have I don't remember it being that low. What's it but, called? Untapped? Is it called? Yes, that's the website. Untapped, and the beer is called Shakedown. And um, I can I can look on to Untapped and go to in my fridge because it was in, in my fridge, uh, <laughs> and it's rated as three point five nine, which is kind of average. I can't believe but, you know. I can't believe you've been doing this podcast in the beer check for so long and you've not received any any sort of freebies or sponsorship or anything. We we see the viewing the listening statistics for this podcast. No one listens, mate. <laughs> and, and, and unless your old dear is going to send me some some beer, I don't think it's going to happen, is it? <laughs> but anyway, that's that's enough of terrible beers for the week. Let's move on. Uh, right, so big announcements this week. Obviously, lockdown's been has ended today on the day of recording. We're getting um, people back in stadiums as the announcement, and we'll be allowed two thousand into Sellers Park. And uh, on the day of, um, well, the day you'll be the day you'll be listening to this, uh, you should know if you got a Tottenham ticket or not. So, Haskiff, mm. w- will you be going if you get one? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a weird one. I was, I was having a chat with some mates about it during the Newcastle game, where the overwhelming uh, feeling was why why the swear word would you want to go and watch this live? It's awful. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. Like I, I want to go because I miss it, but we're playing crap, and there's going to be no atmosphere, really, is there? I mean, they they sort of flip flop on whether you're allowed to make a noise or you have to sit down in the concourse to drink or something or other. So it'll be a weird one. I, I I think probably if I get a ticket, I'll go, but I don't know how much how enjoyable it's going to be, to be honest. Albert, do you even have a season ticket? Not this season, my friend. Um, but I'm hoping. Did you, did you find out what happened with last season's one yet? Yeah? Oh, I keep forgetting. It's, it's only when I do this podcast that I rem- get reminded that I didn't sort out whatever was meant to happen with my money from the last one. So uh, <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the weekly reminder. Uh, two th- yeah, I get a reminder of that, and I get a reminder of you like drinking awful drinks. That's pretty much what this podcast is for me. Well, usually I'm drinking great drinks. It's only an awful drink this week. Mm. Um, I'll be honest. I, I, whilst I'm not in the in the uh, raffle, shall we say, to go myself, I hope that Heskiff doesn't get a ticket because I'll be watching it on TV, and because there'll be a few people there, I don't hear him fucking moaning <laughs> in, my, in my house. I don't. I don't even being picked up on any pitch side microphones. I've been whinging on. I can't guarantee anything. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, talking of uh, things or debates that all this who who can go who can't go whether people can travel from tier threes to tier twos and all of that an interesting uh, scenario came up in in Merseyside Um, they've said the blanket ruling of seat allocation also raises interesting comparative problems for clubs amongst their peers and rivals take Merseyside for example where tier two status permits up to 2,000 fans in attendance at two stadiums one mile apart the Liverpool ballots of season tickets in the local area yields 5,832 season ticket holders 
Well, over at Goodison Park, their Everton counterparts have 25,647 season ticket holders in the local area who can apply for their respective clubs' ballots. An interesting snapshot to who holds the true influence in their city. Uh, you was up there recently. Does that surprise you, Albert? That there's what was it three times the amount of season ticket, or more, more than that, five times the amount of Everton season ticket holders as there is Liverpool ones? I've got to be honest, I'm stunned by that. I mean, I came across as many blues as I did reds, but I, only a few. I, 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 the people that I asked, you know, are you season ticket holder? It's definitely more Liverpool fans, but I guess that's just depending on, on who you bump into. But yeah, I, I was quite surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, Liverpool is obviously a far more international club, um, and you've you get people travelling there from all over. And obviously, we all, we all went to school here in London. We we, we all had Liverpool supporting mates at school, um, especially yeah, with sort of our age uh, when they the, the end of their original glory years. Your your so, age, your age. Thank you. Yeah, our age was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Heskiff was, was saying he's nearly forty. Well, he's forty next year. So well, well. well, well. Just my know, my, my just age, it was United. United had become a thing by you know the time that my I'm not going to use the word generation. I'm not a, I'm not a different generation to you guys. Um, uh, <laughs> my age group, shall we say, Liverpool weren't weren't as hot. So my was a, my glory hunter mates are United fans. There was wife. a guy in my school I remember for one year, and I would imagine it was 1995, where he came to school wearing a Blackburn Rovers. Uh, like gym bag because it was obviously the year they'd won the league obviously it wasn't from Blackburn no one's from Blackburn uh, but then sort of had to stick with him for the rest of his well the rest of the time I was at the school yeah I've got one of them as well I've got a rogue Blackburn fan he, he, he grew up in Kingston like three roads away from where I grew up so not having none of it <laughs> well there you go. But and I, I mean, I went to school where I went to school. There was loads of Arsenal fans as well, but it was there was a lot of Liverpool fans in there. So there you go. Uh, we've also drawn the FA Cup third round draw. So often uninspiring has happened this week. And yes, again, another terrible draw. Heskiff, it's, it's Wolves away. Yeah. Just Would you be going to that if you could get tickets? Oh, probably not. <laughs> I, I mean, you can guarantee in the build-up we're going to get a lot of tweets from from Palace uh, showing the goals from when we beat them 4-1 that time and we scored like four worldies. Mm. Yeah, that's not going to happen, is it? No, I mean, th- th- those highlights are probably the only good thing to come out of that draw, I reckon. Yeah, I think uh, Carl, friend of the pod, said to me, we haven't laid a glove on them in the last two visits there, so which is probably just about right. Um, Albert, Roy doesn't really go for cups anyway, does he? <laughs> cup of tea maybe at the end of the day but <laughs> yeah I, 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 hear, I hear he puts the milk in first mate as if as if he couldn't sink any lower he's 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 in that generation where he probably has like a slice of lemon in his tea isn't he you say you say he puts the milk in first I've heard he tries to put James McCarthy in the cup first <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. First name on the team sheet, even if he's cropped. Um, we'll get more into he's loyalty into players later. Um, before, like maybe as a sort of dress rehearsal this weekend, I'm going to try and get into Croydon FC against Athletic Newham. Uh, Croydon are playing their games this season at the National Sports Centre in Crystal Palace Park. Um, but only 300 are allowed in. Hesky, do you think I'm going to get in? Because I, I, I could imagine quite a lot of people, you know, it's their first season playing at this stats, the ground. So you get all the non-league ground hoppers would definitely want to be there. Yeah. And then um, it's really being pushed in the local area as well. So 300 sounds like it might sell out. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to police it at a ground like that either. Maybe just find find a hill and stand yeah. on top of a hill and just look down and see, you know, 90% of the ground anyway. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to like rope certain parts of the park off, but I can't imagine they will for an event that's only holding three hundred people. I think you 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 will certainly be able to go to just the other side where the the stand is not <laughs> and watch it. But um, it'll be nice to have a seat, I guess. It's been bloody freezing recently, especially um, in all the open fields in Crystal Palace Park as well. It's very cold, but if um, if I do get there, hopefully it'll be a rip roaring four three. 
um, like Leipzig's game, uh, the early Champions League game. <laughs> um, Albert, Alexander Serlot's got his first goal for Leipzig, which was a 92nd minute winner. Well, what can we say? It's, it's, a, it's an, you know, another twist in the tale of the um, amazingly gripping story of Alexander Serlot's footballing career. <laughs> his first goal for Leipzig in something like 11 appearances or 12 appearances but of course the um, the punchline is that it's come against a Turkish team in the Champions League um, so basically he can only score against Turkish teams was he was he in <laughs> Turkey at the time it was in Turkey as well yes yeah he might yeah but I got confused it was definitely in the right end <laughs> Well, it was against uh, the the team. Um, oh God, I've, I've forgotten who they are. Can you remember who they are, Heskif? No, Istanbul um, something or other. It's the Istanbul, yeah, that's right. So they were like big rivals of Trabzonspor last season in terms of pushing for the title. But um, I think Adibayor was there when he left us. Pretty sure that's where he went, or he at least ended up there. At Did some he have point. to Google them as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at least he didn't put Burnley when he signed for us. That was Ben Takeos. <laughs> yeah. uh, final point of this, uh, we've got Boxing Day <laughs> Boxing Day BBC One TV schedules come out and Crystal Palace get, uh, playing Villa away at Boxing Day. I think, I think it's the second time in recent years, third time that we've played them in the gap between Christmas and New Year. Yep. Yeah, because we, we drew nil-nil. I mean, Palassi hit the crossbar when he really should have scored. I think that was maybe 2014, 2013 was the gal Boxing Day last minute winner. Mm-hmm. But um, Albert is sandwiched between the movies Brave and Grease. Um, is this pretty much um, we're describing us? We're going we're gonna to bravely go into the game, but then slip into the relegation zone after it. No, I think it's more you've got to be fucking brave to even tune in for the Palace where they go. <laughs> they, they are not the one that I want. Yeah, very <laughs> It's going to be a bit of um, you know, that's the perfect time for everyone to uh, sleep off their turkey sandwiches. Most definitely. Most yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I've got to say, when I saw the, I saw the, you know, the BBC, whatever you call it, lineup, screen grabs going around. It was nice to see, you know, a, pa- a Palace game on there on Boxing Day. You know, I, I know we can sit here and go, oh, it's probably going to be grim, and you know, I know. The neutral won't be uh, like jumping off the sofa, being like, "Yes, Palace Villa's on." But it is, you know, we have to remind ourselves it is Boxing Day football. Not everybody can go there. You know, it is a, a tradition Boxing Day football. And the fact that it's on the BBC, no, it's, it's quite you know, it is something to get mildly excited about. However, the game itself is probably not. Mm. Yeah, and it's certainly going to be tears on my pillow come the end of the game. You've just Googled uh, Grease soundtrack, haven't you? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I, I know Grease a little bit more than I'd probably like to let on. Hang on, just so. just, just, just do a bit of filling for me, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Grease, Grease songs, Grease songs. Grease, uh, hang on. Keep, I, keep mean, I, I mean, hopelessly devoted to you is the um, the obvious one, I'd imagine. Because we are all hopelessly devoted to, <laughs> devoted to Palace. Um, yeah. You're there, yet? I'm. I'm just hoping that. Um, oh fuck! There's something here. Remember, old, old producer in the show, Billiam. His his slogan used to be "No gaps." He is going to be tearing his hair out. No, it's no, no I'm, I'm just hoping that we don't bring on an obscure academy player that I've never heard of, and I say, "Who's that guy?" Oh, that's from Greece too. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Your time, your time's up. You lost out. So let's yeah, let's let's move on. Oh, indeed. There's a song called "Score Tonight" on Greece too. I should have gone with that. <laughs> that's that the, night. the mic's tipped over. He's lo- he's lost everything, mate. Uh, you, I wish you could see me now. <laughs> Here we are. Right. Uh, so, West Brom, we're going to the Hawthorns and they are coming off the back of a 1-0 win against Sheffield United. Um, that's called one point from 10 games now, Sheffield United. Uh, we've we've got them coming up soon enough, have we? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they'll have to be worried if they need to get a win from us at that point for their first. But um, 
Before that, they were winless in many games. They'd uh, lost 1-0 to United and West Brom. So West Brom, they are West Brom. United and Spurs, obviously no shame there, but then lost 2-0 at Fulham as well uh, before draws with Brighton and Burnley. Uh, lots of low-scoring games, lots of nils in there. Um, so <laughs> get get on your nil-nils this weekend, that's, a, that's for sure. But... Um, yeah, Heskiff, we're back here again, three third podcast in a row. Um, it really is a game we should be looking to win. Yeah, it is. But increasingly, <laughs> increasingly, you know, I'm of the opinion that it's a game that we're probably not going to win. Um, I think the last time we all spoke about it was sort of pre, pre-Burnley, pre-Newcastle, where I sort of said I didn't think we were going to keep a clean sheet. And we found it difficult against Burnley last oh, at Sellers after the season began again. And everything that we sort of were worried might happen sort of did in the last couple of games. And I've, I mean, I haven't seen much of West Brom, but they looked in the games I did see, whilst their defence was a bit dodgy, they looked actually all right going forward. And I think, you know, it's fine saying, oh, they've got a bit of a naff defence, but you know, we're, again, we're not creating anything really of note. So it doesn't really matter, unfortunately, whether the team we're playing has got a shit defence or not. Yeah, well, I've only conceded two in our last three. Uh, and having played May United and Spurs in that time, I'd say it's more to attack. And, you know, if the good old whoscored.com finishing scoring chances is one of our main weaknesses, um, along with avoiding offside, the, the Mishi Batshuayi school of uh, attacking there. <laughs> um Defending against through balls, defending against skillful players, Albert. Now, um, we should have Wilfred Zaha coming back. And um, if we're getting him and Eze both in the lineup, that could prove fruitful for us. Yeah, I just don't know anymore. <laughs> um, they're, they're very weak at defending attacks down the wings, they're very weak at defending long shots. Um, well, that'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> for them. For them, well, I mean, you know, Zaha should be back and Lucas should be back as well. And um, can we see it? Can we see a change of shape coming? Is going to be one of my questions here. Um, I'll, I'll go to you, Haskiv. Is as as he's done and finished with four four two, or is he going to continue to go with it after? It's just clearly against the weaker teams, especially against teams that are going to sort of in a way, match that 4-4-2 as well, it's just not working for us. No, it's not working for us. And I think also, you know, he tried to mix up the personnel a bit in the last game against Newcastle and it was pretty baffling. You know, moving Czech into midfield when he's had a good season in defence, sort of maybe by the, the Burnley game, and then dropping Gyro and playing Schlupp up front, who was all right in the first half, to be fair. But, you know, when you've got strikers on the bench. Schlupp front, I like to call that. Schlupp front, very good. Stealing a Hambo's jokes from the review show now. Outrageous. I would say don't listen. That's probably not, that's probably not, <laughs> that's probably not an on-brand thing to Support say. the brand. Support the brand. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, you know, he made some really baffling decisions in terms of who started the game against Newcastle. Um, but yeah, like you say, sort of tactically speaking, it just didn't work again because we were just too slow again. You know, we saw it against Burnley and we, we, we definitely saw it against Newcastle where you have to move that ball quickly and we've got the players who can do it and who can benefit from it. But too often you saw Burnley and Newcastle just setting up in their lines of four and we, you know, we, we, we didn't know how to get through them, how to get round them. Um, and the, the, the score in the end was sort of inevitable, really. So, like you say, for a team like us, when we don't really know what to do with the ball, we've got to set ourselves up where we're a lot more comfortable uh, in being able to counter-attack. Um, and, yeah, four four two is just not it's just not happening. So, I, ho- I hope it would change. But, you know, we- we've talked about how he's stubborn with players. You know, I'm wondering if he's going to be stubborn with the formation as well for the next few games. Yeah, I mean, who, who's um, oh, Jesus? He's, his name's gone from my head. Slavin Bilic is that manager, and he does seem to like to switch the formation up a bit depending on who he's playing. So, but it, it's largely looking like a five at the back, 
Um, so a four a four four two might actually work a little bit better against a five at the back scenario, as you know the, the two can start getting in between the centre backs. But it'll be so we might see it right out there. I mean, if if West Brom switch and play four four two for that game, it would um, it would be extremely annoying because the last two teams have both matched up with us four four two in Burnley and Newcastle, and um, we all know what the the outcomes of those have been. But largely, I mean, a lot of this has come, lots of statistics coming out this week after the two defeats. And, um, you know, there's there's been things like, Albert, we've lost the last seven when we've had 50% possession or more. And in those seven games, we've only scored one goal from 87 shots. Did any bad stats come out? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, and this... Uh, is there any more of a, dan- a damning statement for Roy's persistence with defensive midfielders in the middle of the park when we're playing against teams that we're trying to break down? It's just annoying because, you know, I, I get the, you know, you get, there's defensive managers, you know, you know, Mourinho gets, gets, I think, unfairly sort of lambasted as, oh, he's a defensive manager, he doesn't want to, doesn't want to win football games, you know, and he, like this, this weekend, you know, being a case in point, Mourinho goes to Chelsea all right, it's a dull nil-nil, but he's, he's, come, he's come away from home with a point um, against what at the moment looks like a, you know, a, a, a title slash top four contender. You know, we we tend to sort of swing either one way or the other. You know, we, we, we persist with the sort of defensive midfielder set up and try and keep it tight. But, I mean, we don't get many draws. Like, you know, we either, we either nick a game or we, we lose a game. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fine to... It's fine to have that set up if you're more confident of nicking it one nil. You know, if you've got, if you've got, a, 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 you know, and again, I guess it tends to be when we counter attack. That's that's our that's our best chance of scoring a goal. You know, and then you've got that discipline to sit there and and, and grind out a one nil. But we haven't even we haven't even got that that ability to keep a clean sheet at the moment. And you know, I mean, it sounds it sounds obvious. This isn't like you know, this isn't like a revolutionary concept, but you know, when you're when you're conceding, even if it's just one goal, you you, you obviously you need to score to have a chance of getting anything out of the game, and we we just look so dry up front. Um, and I mean that lineup on on Friday was just again. I know there's there's injuries. You know, you never know really what's going on in terms of players' fitness and stuff, but it was just baffling to look at. It was like a it was like a jigsaw puzzle that was like had like half another jigsaw puzzle chucked in and you're meant to try and work it out without seeing the instructions. You know, it's like, what's going on here? I can't really well, work Sky, out. Sky even got it wrong, didn't they? Because they put Schlupp at left midfield and Eze up front. So well, yeah. they didn't even know what was going it's just, on. It was just, it was just baffling. And, you know, I know, I know it was a bit of a smash and grab job on, on behalf of Newcastle and there was chances that we should have taken, but, you know, there was chances that we didn't take. There was a couple of chances where the goalkeeper made a good save, but it was just the, the inevitable collapse at the back. Um, you know, if the game had finished nil-nil, yeah, we probably would have still been a bit disappointed. But, you know, when you've racked up another point, you sort of have to go, all right, well, at least we didn't lose. But, you know, we, we did lose. Um, and so something something has to change in terms of either the personnel or in terms of the 4-4-2 and what you were talking about. You know, West Brom, aren't, I, can't, I can't confess to having sat and watched a lot of West Brom to be honest, I forgot they were in the Premier League until we were sort of building up to this podcast. Um, but yeah, so, so, something has to change. Hope you know Zaha coming back is obviously a huge boost and a change. But you know, even when he's in the team, we're still we're still not tucking away the chances that we should. So something has to give. We've got the options up front. I know there's not like one single striker that's like, yeah, get put them in, build the team around them. They've both got strengths and weaknesses. But like, again, Friday, you know, there's balls going into the box to no one and then the person putting the balls in gets taken off and the only geezer that can probably get on the end of a half-decent cross comes on. It just seems very, very strange. We are not playing to the, the limited strengths that we have in the final third of the field. Yeah, and I think this this feeds into what we're going to go and talk about now where um, Glenn Johnson famously talks about Roy Hodgson's time at Liverpool and said, we had Xavi Alonso, Fernando Torres and Javier Mascarano, players like that, and we'd be worried about playing smaller teams at Anfield. No disrespect to smaller teams, but when you, uh, you have to grab the ball by the horns and just go and put them to bed 
and he just didn't have that sort of mentality. It was all a bit straight line and defensive. So that's already proof in the pudding there that he's, you know, he's reluctant to go and attack teams, reluctant to use his strong players and go play to the strengths of the attacking players as opposed to more looking towards the defensive side of things. And then, um, I mean, the, the really famous because have been the famous clip that's been doing around a bit is this one that we're going to play you now, which is from uh, post Iceland, England getting knocked out to Iceland with Alan Shearer, Rio Fernand, Gary Lineker and Jermaine Genus talking. So um, we'll just take a couple of minutes to listen to this because I think it's really pertinent to, the, to what's going on at the moment. Where do we start with England and this debacle? <laughs> well, that was the worst performance I've ever seen from an England team, ever, mm-hmm. um, from start to finish from the game. We were outfought, we were outthought, um, we were outbattled, and we were totally hopeless for 90 minutes. Uh, and I said after the three um, group games that I didn't think England were good enough. Um, and I argued with you and Danny and Dean the other night, and I didn't see enough in those performances either. I think it looked to me as if Roy was making it up as he was going along. He didn't have a system. He didn't know his best players. Tactically inept. Tactically inept. We had players in the squad who didn't deserve to be in the squad. How on earth can you pick Jack Wilshire? Hasn't started a game or hasn't played 90 minutes for over a year, played 141 minutes in a season. How on earth can he be deemed fit enough or good enough to come in and represent England? And he brought him on at half-time to try and save the game after taking him off after 50 minutes of the day because he wasn't good enough. Raheem Sterling, he's put his neck on the line for him. He hasn't performed, hasn't been playing for his team. So we can go on and on. Harry Kane on corners in the first game. I mean, the, the list is endless, Gary. It's from start to finish, I think it's been, it, it has been pretty hopeless. Mm. Rio, what do you think's gone wrong here? I mean, you look at these, these players, there's some, some very good footballers in there. We see them week in, week out. Yeah. Um, they're playing against footballs, footballers that, you know, looking at on paper and the clubs that they're at, etc., mm. they shouldn't compare. So how can it go this drastically wrong? No, I agree with everything Alan just said there, but embarrassing, to be honest with you. And I think at the end of the day, if you get into a tournament and you don't know your best team mm. and you don't know your best formation, you're running into trouble. And it was, it was proven in, in all, all of the games we played. We just got past... Well, just beat them with nine seconds to go. Didn't beat all the other teams. On paper, we should have put aside easily. And one of the biggest problems that we've had with this England team, other than not knowing your best team and your best shape, is when we got into wide areas, where we was always going down with the full-backs especially, we had no, no real idea. There was no real philosophy or no idea of where to run. There was no, right, Harry Kane's going to be in, in the box He's gonna, and then people are going to run off him, either side of him. There was, there was no finesse. There was no... Inventiveness in any of the play going forward, and it was just—I was excited by this England team going into this tournament, to be honest, yeah. And I think I was led up the garden path a little bit because qualifying was so easy, easy, and you believe the hype a little bit, and you get you get lulled in a little bit. But I'm I'm, I'm buying into youth. That's what I was buying into. But I didn't expect us to win this tournament, and I didn't I didn't say we was ever going to have a chance of winning it. But I thought we'd come out of this tournament because of the young players we've got, the vibrant uh, uh, work ethic, etc. That they've they've shown in, in games going by as individuals especially in their club, mm. club form, I thought we'd have a chance of actually coming out of this tournament with a little bit of positivity. Mm. Absolutely gone. Bereft of ideas. Yeah, I've watched a lot of teams at this, this tournament um, with a mixed bag of talent, if you like, but they, most of them that have done well have been really well organised and have a game plan. Mm. England didn't seem to have that. Well, I've listened to obviously the lads and hit the nail on the head with every word that they've said tonight. Uh, and I think the one thing that stood out for me is that I don't think Roy knew what he was doing. I, didn't, I don't think he knew what was his best team mm. at any time. I don't think he knew uh, what was his best system at any time either. And, um, and I think his loyalty to players is what's cost him not only his job, but um, what's cost us a really horrible way of going out yeah. of a tournament. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos. Choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, uh, a lot to a lot to dissect there. And um, Hesketh will start with. I mean, tactically inept is what Gary Lineker sort of blurts over Alan Shearer at the start there. Um, and I don't think I think with Ryan, Gary Lineker also talks about teams being well set up. And I think I don't think the question here is when we're playing against the top teams, largely. Um, Give or take, give or take a visit to Stamford Bridge since Roy's been in charge. <laughs> yeah. We tend to do well against the big teams. We we have an identity. Then we know what we're trying to do. We do it well. We're well drilled, and we we let them come onto us. They will come onto us, and we can break them down. But um, the problem we've had in the last two games again is where we've got this scenario where we're having more than fifty percent possession, and these he doesn't seem to have the tactics to break it down. Yeah, I think that is a problem. Um, like you say, we've had we've had the old paste in from from a bigger club here and there, but yeah, we know what we're doing. All the players are well drilled, well organised. We make the most of what we got, which goes back to me talking about you know using our pace and and getting players like Will from the ball to do his magic, and then it comes down to taking your chances because inevitably we don't really make we don't really make that many clear cut chances in in games. Um, but when we play teams like Burnley, like Newcastle, who who sort of do the same to us. We don't have an answer. And it, it, even, you know, when we played Wolves away not that long ago, um, the second half, they'd sort of out-palaced us, really. They just sort of, as long as you're organised, as long as you stay in your positions, we don't really have the ability tactically to get, get through teams. Um and, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be a hatchet job on Roy because I think overall he's done a lot of good stuff with us. And, and obviously when he came in, we were, a, I mean, we were in dire straits. But I think it's to the point now where a lot of people are saying, me included, that I think that there's a lot more in this squad of players than we're seeing. Um, we're not playing well in, in games we've won. Uh, let's take leads out of it. In games we've won, it hasn't been overly convincing either. So, yeah, I think I think tactically, whether he, you know, he needs a plan B or he needs to change a formation before the game rather than just being rigid all the time, I don't know. But I just, I do agree that he sort of has one, one formation, one idea, and that's that. Mm, yeah, and... You know, there's a lot of talk there about not knowing his best team and not knowing his best formation. And I think a lot of that is going through. Like he's sticking with four four two, but I think a lot. I think you look at you if you look at our squad. Um, I think four two three one is pretty much the formation that jumps off the page when you look at the the players we have or something that fits in around in and around that. Um, and which would allow us to get Eze into the middle somehow, but. Um, there's yeah, Rio Fernand barked out. It was embarrassing, um, which I think I, I tweeted immediately after the game against Newcastle when we um, conceded the late goals. Uh, but there was also there's the famous thing from that tournament, Albert Harry Harry Kane on corners. Um, in you know you look back to the Leeds game, uh, as a scores from a direct free kick, uh, gets an assist from a corner, and since then. Other players have been taking the corners and the free kicks. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's 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 just an, an you know I know it's not um, you know games aren't necessarily always decided by who's taking corners or who's taking free kicks, but just like you say, just logic and form 
in, in such recent memory as well, you know, that the Leeds game wasn't that long ago. Um would dictate, you know, you know, it's like penalty takers. A penalty taker is the penalty taker. Sometimes when somebody misses one, they don't take the next one. You know, it's like you might give them a break, but that's on penalties. You know, that's a that's a that's a sort of different kettle of fish. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've got an explanation for it. Why is why is Eze not doing it? I mean, that free kick alone, you know, is just such a peach. Um, why do you not then just go right? Okay, you're on for it. You're you're on set pieces for the next game. We'll see how we go. And you know, and, all right. Next game, if he has a stinker, and every corner hits the first man, or every free kick hits the wall, you go, oh, mate, oh, okay, but we'll, we'll rethink it. But there, there was there was no reason to 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 tinker with that. Um, mm. It's just, it's just it's just very strange little sort of idiosyncrasies with Roy that do leave you scratching your head from time to time. Yeah, I think like with, I don't care who the defenders are, when you've got Scott Dan and Gary Cahill in that penalty area for corners, with the sort of delivery that Eze put against Leeds is perfect. You know, let them challenge for the ball in the air and attack it, and there's a good chance they're going to get on the end of it, particularly Scott Dan, who's down the years has proved he's a goal scorer from corners. So, um, yeah, very, very confusing. Um, What also came out from there was, uh, get into wide areas, no no philosophy and no invent- inventiveness, bereft of ideas. Um, I mean, Hesketh, they could be describing Palace right now. Yeah, they could. Um, and I think, you know... Some- I mean, I, I want, let me just add to that. I'm just, just, and which I'm screaming at the TV every time I'm watching it, is that you can add lack of movement in there as well, which I guess comes in the inventiveness. And oh, mate, that's... Eze's as, as looking for, to make something happen, but there's nothing happening in front of him. That's my absolute bugbear, is when you see a Palace player on the ball, uh, you know, yeah, let's say Eze, there's one pass on, you know. He's got one person to pass it to because everyone else has just stood still. There's no... You know, with the exception of maybe someone like PVA, there's no players overlapping, there's no real urgency to the play. We then pass it backwards or we get tackled. And and it all ties into to this thing that I think we should play to our strengths, which is get the ball moving quickly, get it wide, and then start smashing the ball into the box. We, do, we just don't do it. And, and the lack of urgency and the lack of movement all ties into this. And it, I, I don't understand why... Um, you know, after seeing this consistently for the best part of a season, probably more now, to be honest, there doesn't really seem to be any urgency to change it. Um, and we, we've said in the past of certain players, like, why doesn't he just put Max in to see what he's like? Or why don't we change this formation to see what happens? It's the same thing. If you, you know, if you, if you get us moving about quicker, we, yeah, all right, we might be a bit more open, but then we might score more than one goal. You know, we might let in a goal, but then because we're, we're moving and we're going faster and we're being a bit more cavalier, then we might score two or three and we might win the game. So I'm, I mean, we're letting in goals anyway. Exactly. One, one clean sheet in 15 now or something like I that. I mean, if we're letting, look, we're letting Joel Linton, I know it was a big deflection, but th- th- this fucking guy's a car horse. He shouldn't be anywhere near <laughs> getting a goal against us. So we're at the level now where, like you say, you apologies, might as well apologies if you are listening, Joel Linton. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Joel. Um, yeah, we're at that point. We're just like, just, just give it a go. Just give it a go because you know I don't expect us to do it against Liverpool or Man City or teams like that. Play, playing the way we do is fine because that's the game plan. But yeah, like West Brom, let, let's just have a go. Let's just have a go at them. And if we lose, we lose. But you know, the chances are we might score more than one goal and actually get a result. Yeah, I mean, Albert, you look at these at the attacking options we have. It seems unforgivable now that we wouldn't try and put some sort of attacking game plan in. We've got two of Belgium's strikers. I know Bentec hasn't scored many in recent years, whatever, but Batshuayi's there as well. We've got Zaha, who's you know one of the best players in the Premier League. Um, you've got Eze's joined and has taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. Um, we should be having we should be having more of a go at teams, right? But it, you, you end up with this, and uh, Jermaine Genus said it at the end of that clip. There, um, it's what cost him his job, his loyalty to players. And while we can all appreciate, I think Jeff Schlupp's probably played his way into most most people's good books and understand the value that he adds now. Crowbarring him him in up front when we've spent a fortune to bring Mitsubishi Batshuayi on loan. 
seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's so many permutations and variables, and oh, this play's injured or this play's suspended. But you know, we've we've been sitting there going talking about the four four two, which which has never really been a convincing a convincing sort of setup for us. I think the, the last time it randomly worked was when we were playing Zaha and Townsend as, as the two up top, you know, and that was sort of you know a, a, a bit of a purple patch we were on at the time. And it was needs must, wasn't it? And it was, it was kind of, it was, cool. it was forced upon him. It wasn't like Roy come up with a genius masterstroke. It was everyone got injured. Yeah, exactly. And and I and I know you know again. I know it's sort of the whole Zaha being out. You know, I, I know it was rumored. Oh, it was COVID, or was it the him having a kid, or was it both? Whatever. But we've had, and you've said it. We've got we've got Batshuayi and Benteke, who you know Batshuayi seems to score fairly regularly on international duty. You know, Ben Teke, I know there's the whole... Roy's probably holding the red card against him at the end of last season and, you know, isn't prolific, but before the end of last season seemed to be at least sort of linking play and creating space and, you know, putting little moves together in the final third. Like, I, I can't believe that we've... Roy's, Roy's persisted with this four four two, but hasn't hasn't considered putting those two up front. As a as a combination, um, because what's he got to lose? You know, put put two strikers up front. You know, you've got a, a big man who can win in the air. You've got a more sort of poacher who likes to be offside a lot of the time. But you know, again, like it's it's fine margins. I I, I can't believe we haven't tried that um, at least for a game. Um, I mean, it makes and this is not this is not a dig at Jeffrey Schlupp, but you know, on paper, if I said to you, do you want to put? Benteke and Batshuayi up front for a game in a four-four-two, or do you want to put Schlupp and Ayu or whatever up front? You know, I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who could justify not picking Benteke and Batshuayi for a game just to see what happened. Mm. Well, our strikers have scored twenty-six goals in the last hundred and twenty-three games. Um, obviously, if you don't count Wolfie Zaha as a striker, so. Um... <laughs> You, you, you then comes is it the chicken or the egg is it the strikers or is it Roy's tactics it's um, chicken or the egg they're just you know, stationary <laughs> but um, look it, so now we, I guess we'll get to the question of do we think Roy should be sacked is it time to go whatever um, obviously Pulis and Allardyce got out f- relatively quickly they came in did their jobs and then both left uh, just kind of shockingly, really, in the summers. And a lot of fans look back on those with starry eyes. Um, Heskiv, is there an argument that if Roy would have maybe gone at the end end of last season and when he was actually supposed to instead of getting a year advance when we'd have all looked back fondly with him? And is he in danger now of sort of how we look at Pardew? You know, if you know, Pardew, Pardew slightly out, well, not slightly, probably months yeah. out of state, he's welcome. And um, is Roy well, think, kind I of mean, falling into that bracket now? The football these days is that it, it, fans' reactions are just that. They're very reactionary, you know, mine included. And I, I try and be rational when I talk about it, but, you know, pe- people get impatient and, and stressed out by what they're seeing. And, yeah, I think if Roy had left last summer, which is, you know, what I was sort of advocating towards the end there, I just think we could sort of shake hands, say thanks for everything. You know, like I say, he came in, did did very well, considering what a mess we were in after Frank de Boer. Um, played some all right stuff, actually, towards the end of that season, played some, played some nice stuff. Um, and then give the new manager a chance to work for a whole summer transfer window, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, I don't want to think badly of Roy because, you know, I've, I don't think he's a bad bloke at all. But I just get really really bored watching this at the moment and that's not a great thing to say about your team you know you take the piss out like who's going to watch Fulham versus Burnley and I did take the piss out of that or for Burnley against West Brom (laughs) being on pay-per-view but like if Palace weren't my team it would be fucking dry to watch them you know so Mm. I obviously have to weigh up like is it a risk because if you get someone in like Eddie Howe, let's say we bring in and, and he takes us down, then you say, well, it was a mistake to get rid of Roy. But you just don't know, do you? And I, I think Paris probably isn't that concerned with what people are saying on Twitter at the moment. But I think you've said it before, Terence, that it probably helps Roy. The fans aren't in the ground at the moment. 
because the last, you know, a, a, a performance mm. like Newcastle wouldn't have been, wouldn't have gone down too well, would it? Oh, on a, on a Friday night, everyone would have been well pissed up. And loads of people would have taken afternoons off work. And um, yeah, it's, uh, after losing to Burnley to then concede two goals like that against a, let, let's be honest, shit Newcastle team. And I was talking, I, I work with two Newcastle fans. Um, and both, both of them are really discontented at the moment. And one of them actually messaged me before the game said, no Zaha, no Alan Saint-Maximan, I might not watch. <laughs> and it was just good when we were both discussing, yes, it's going to be a dreadfully shit game. And um, yeah, we both put money on nil-nil, but um, un- unfortunately neither, is, neither of us cashed out before the 88th minute. So um, that was sad. Albert, if he, if he does lose to West Brom, no... There's gonna there's gonna be a lot of talk about you know the sack race. He's probably gonna go be right up there with Chris Wilder. Probably if you know your jobs in immediate turmoil if if we lose to West Brom. Yeah, that's probably a fair assumption. Although I would I would say probably Chris Chris Wilder's still probably sat on a big old pot of sort of good feeling, and you know he's almost built up some credit to to go through a bit of a, you know, a rough patch and, you know, they've only been in the league last season and, you know, I don't know if they would be so keen to, to pull the trigger. Um, I mean, if we lose, yeah, if we, if we lose against West Brom, again, I'm like Heskiff, I'm not, I've not got a uh, Royale placard, like pre-drawn, ready to start waving round or anything like that. But you look at the run, Again, we all sat here and went, oh, Burnley, Newcastle, West Brom. You know, there's, po- there's points there. Um, and, you know, so far we're pointless in that run. Um, and the best we're going to get out of it is free. And even that's not a sure thing. And, you know, you look at you look at that. If we, if we, let's say, heaven forbid, we lose. We lose against West Brom. You know, the, 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 the fixtures start coming thick and fast against teams where you start going, well, yeah, we'll probably write that one off as well, write that one off. And we're, and we're looking we're looking in the fixtures for the next, oh, uh, when are we playing someone shit, i.e. Sheffield United? Um, and that's when it starts to get a bit squeaky. You know, it's we've we've dropped massively, you know, in the last three game weeks, as it were. And um, it really doesn't take a huge, a huge change in, in circumstances for us to all of a sudden be like, oh shit, we're bottom three at Christmas. Um, so I think questions questions will be asked. Questions are being asked now. Um, it's, I mean, we've been here before. We all know we get off to a, a slow start on average first half of the season, and then it'll, it'll be kick up, kick on in January, and we'll end up turning City over or, or someone over unexpected, and it'll all be happy days again. But you know, we're everyone keeps saying with the with the the squad that we've got at the moment. The, you know, there's some there's some real talent in there, and rega- you know, regardless of necessarily how it ends, the end result, it just feels like it's a wasted opportunity. We all we're all expecting Zaha to go every transfer window, and it's like, holy shit, we got Zaha and Eze in a team at the same time. You know, we should really be enjoying this and and seeing that seeing that be as good as it can be before the inevitable happens, and Zaha does probably go. Um, and it just feels like it's kind of it's just a very very damp squib mm. well I think West, West Brom after that we get four games in 13 days and I think that will make or break because if we if we lose the next five I, I can't see him staying at all to be honest but you've sort of touched on there Roy has been one to pull results out of his ass every now and then um, you know if you think look back now thank god for those four games before we went into lockdown where we won them all one nil because mm. um what happened after that you know was a bit of a disaster uh or was it three three one nils and then a two nil i guess against bournemouth on the other side and then um how good yeah. did we look against bournemouth i know bournemouth was shit yeah. but how, good, how good did we look against bournemouth bit of biggest false dawn ever wasn't Mate, it unbelievable <laughs> Yeah, it just turned out they were really shit. Um, but look, I mean, Roy's got to find something. Four wins in 18, one clean sheet in that time, 30 points from the last 38 games, which is obviously relegation form. So something, something's got to change, something's, something's got to give. 
And um, I think, yeah, West West Brom and may, maybe you can give them an off game against Tottenham. But, you know, arguably Tottenham will come out and play against us. So we'll suit our counter-attacking style. But then saying that, they want a counter-attack as well. So who knows? It might <laughs> Tottenham might just sit in and allow Son and Kane to tear us apart when they can get in behind us. But yeah, I know. Look, let's, fi- let's finish this with... What's, what's, what's your formation, Heskiff? If if you were picking a team, if you were picking a team for West Brom, um, I was going to say play? my formation is me and Vanessa. Yeah, I mean, assuming everyone's fit and back, uh, I definitely wouldn't play a four four two. I'd play. You know what? I, I, he's never going to do it, but you know the idea of having someone like Eze just sort of floating about. Um, Causing carnage sounds great to me. On the pitch, on the pitch. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. just, just, just check it. Do it, but yeah, I, I'd play. I'd play the formation that we're all used to, that we know we can we can work with, and it's it's not four four two. Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, if I was if I was picking a team, I'll answer my own question. Um, <laughs> I'd go with Guaita, uh, Klein. I mean, Van Arnold or Mitchell is, I mean, Van Arnold has been coming in for a lot of stick. A lot of that was discussed on the review show, so we won't go into that. But um, I'll probably still just slightly edge for PVA over Mitchell against a team like West Brom because we want him to get forward. Um, At the back um, of what's available, I'd I'd go to Cheku and uh, Gary Cahill. I'd then play Gyro and probably MacArthur. And then played a front four of having um, Saha on one flank. I'd have um, Schlupp on the other and then Eze in behind the striker. And that striker would then be, it, it, I mean, it would either be Benteke or Batshuayi. Um, they've got a couple of massive centre-backs. We probably want to play on the floor through them. So I'd probably say Batshuayi for this game. But um, yeah, I don't think anyone's picking a 4-4-2, are they? So predictions, Albert. Tell us what the score is going to be. I think you put me on mute. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stitch up. So you saying a four two? Are you saying a four two three one? Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, what's the score going to be? Christ, um, I'm sorry. It's going to be one all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm saying nil nil. Um, <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Heskin's uh, going to go. I am indeed. One nil to West Brom. Boing boing. <laughs> baggies, baggies. Boing boing, indeed. Um, right. Well, I think that's pretty much it then. Um, try to be as uh, you know, not not ultimately negative, but um, I think it's a bit of a it's a tough time to support Palace at the moment. Um, it feels ridiculous, you know. We've got thirteen points. We're quite a significant way above the drop zone at the moment, but just feels like we're slipping in the wrong direction at the moment. But hopefully we can turn it all around against West Brom, pick up a well-needed win and go into the Spurs game with a bit more buoyancy amongst us. Um, Review show will be, I assume it will be done on the Sunday after the game, directly after the game, because kickoffs at 12. Um, There will be a watch-along, I'm sure. I mean, they've been very amusing, the watch-alongs. Turn the crappy commentators off the TV tune into YouTube, pause the video a bit, get it in time with your TV, and then you're sorted. It's, um, listen, listen to Hambo and DR, just um, put the worlds to rights. Uh, you might even catch DR clipping his toenails. That that happened. <laughs> um, that'll be a video that comes out later, <laughs> later this year. And um, we'll be back next week. Um, yeah, normal times, Thursdays in your ears to preview the Tottenham game. So all that's left to say is thank you to Albert and Heskiff for joining. Uh, Albert, play us out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I reckon he's lying. He just bowled it again. Uh, anyway, I'm, hold, I'm, I'm, I'm having to hold the microphone because it fell off the the bracket so I'm sat here looking like a right crooner <laughs> mm, yeah no you're not <laughs> yeah, until next week I'm the palace it's the 90th minute all your mates around 
You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.